Holly G with the Golf Insiders. All roads to the PGA Tour playoffs lead to Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta, Georgia. The first round of the Tour Championship underway. And we have so much to talk about as our super season in golf is wrapping up. But there's still a lot more golf to go. And uh, i got to bring the big dog himself in today. Damon Hack, co-host of Golf Today on the Golf Channel, to talk about the final leg of the FedEx Cup. Good morning, Big D. Holly G, how you been? How you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I'm actually uh, in your neck of the woods right now. I'm enjoying a little uh, little Labor Day vacay up here in the Adirondack Mountains. It's good to get out of Florida and uh, smell and feel the crisp air, my friend. Yeah, after... Uh pretty uh, uncomfortable evening for a lot of folks uh, up in this part of the, the world with the remnants of uh, tropical storm, I guess, and previously Hurricane Ida. It's, it's a gorgeous day and a gorgeous weekend ahead for, for those of us. Temperatures in the mid-70s. Good golf weather, some might say, uh, for the weekend. Indeed, and I played a great little track yesterday, Damon. Fendera, uh, Celebrating a hundred years, an old Donald Ross design just north of uh, Rome, New York, uh, outside Old Forge, and you never get tired of a good Donald Ross course. Yeah, you can just kind of throw a stone in this part of the world, and you'll stumble upon a great Ross or Chilling Hass course, perhaps. And of course, Seth Rayner and C.B. McDonald did great work up here as well. This is. You know, as you know, I lived in Florida for almost nine years, but uh, I lived in New York for 12. So now I'm back in a part of the world and uh, where golf courses and golf course architecture is just so varied and beautiful and so much entrenched in the history of this part of the country, especially with the game that we both love. Sure is. Well, speaking about the game we both love, uh, what a playoff on Sunday, Damon. I mean, it was a dogfight between Patrick Cantlay and Bryson DeChambeau. I almost feel like, you know, have did we did we have the best of the tour playoffs last week? Yeah, that's six a whole playoff. Incredible. Compelling theater. Two of the best to do it uh, currently in the game today. And of course, we know that Bryson is such a lightning rod for good and for ill, sometimes because of his own words and behavior and sometimes just because he seems to be a target in the social media era. But I tell you what, uh, for Commissioner Jay Monahan and for the folks that put the playoffs uh, on the scene, going all the way back to Tim Fincham, to try to find some important, meaningful tournaments after the major championship season, it's what you want to see. Two of the best in the game going head-to-head, hitting quality golf shots, and, of course, Patrick Cantlay making some history, the best strokes game putting week uh, since the PGA Tour started keeping that stat in 2004. So what a special, special Sunday that we had uh, outside of Baltimore and Owings Mills, Maryland. That's right. That was a putting clinic, to say the least. And, uh, you know, it just showed, though, too, as well as Patrick was playing, Bryson, not, you know, didn't quite have the best day, but still, Patrick must have been scratching his head saying, what do I got to do to beat this guy? 
Yeah, it was fascinating just the contrast in styles. You know, in boxing they say styles make fights, and I think you can kind of throw that old adage to golf as well. You had a guy in Bryson who who lives by the the sword, lives by the driver, and and, and hits it just these distances that we've never seen in PGA Tour golf. And Patrick Cantley, on the other hand, lives by the wands of the putter and, and had to make putts to stay in the fight. And Bryson just couldn't roll his rock the way he wanted to. At one point, had four straight opportunities to make a putt to win that golf tournament and wasn't able to do it. Meanwhile, Patrick is scrambling and getting up and down and rolling in 20-footers and just had that magic going on the greens. And the old drive-for-show, putt-for-dough saying kind of came to life right right before our eyes. It was really something special. And for those of us, you know, deep in the weeds in in the sport, uh, Patrick Cantlay has uh, had a, a tough road, came out, is one of the top amateurs, Damon, and then, you know, had some, some personal tragedy interject in the early years of his career. Share with my audience a little bit about his backstory. You know, came out from UCLA, uh, incredible amateur career, was the number one ranked amateur for many weeks in a row, many months in a row, shot 60 on the PGA Tour as an amateur at Hartford, the, uh, at Cromwell, Connecticut, the TPC River Highlands, and was really built to be one of the great stars coming out of UCLA. Had some early tragedy as a professional, uh, lost uh, one of his best friends in a car accident, uh, and just really kind of set Patrick a bit down the rabbit hole. He was depressed. He also had some back injuries as well that kind of cost him anywhere from two to three years uh, in early, you know, early 20s, prime years, especially in this era when these young players are doing so well. And he was seeing some of his peers like Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas be so successful. And he had to wait his turn, both from a mental and emotional standpoint, but also from a physical standpoint. And he's one of those cases that he's kind of a late bloomer uh, you know, from a PGA Tour perspective, but he started to pick off some big-time tournaments. He's won Jack's tournament, the Memorial, twice now, and, of course, wins in the playoffs as well. So no surprise to see Patrick at this point, but he had to really go through some, some golf things and some life things to get to this point. Yeah, and listening to his press conferences uh, during the, the tournament and, and afterwards, we truly have another extremely thoughtful, authentic spokesperson for the game, don't you think? I do. And, you know, we kind of look at him as a stoic. He's been kind of to himself. And it's interesting, even Jack told him, hey, smile a little bit more. You know, it's okay to, to enjoy the moment and enjoy the, the duel and the competition, which is what these players live for. But he's also finding his voice as a leader in the locker room and leader in this game. And, and part of that includes the, the heckling issue that we've seen on tour. And also, uh, he had some pretty strong comments about the format of this FedEx Cup finale and the staggered start and how some of the players were disappointed that Xander Shoffley shot the best score uh, a year ago uh, at East Lake, but did not win the golf tournament. And the storyline for Xander, of course, was he hadn't won for a couple of years before the Olympic gold medal. And people were like, well, hey, you know what, if you, if you added him up, he actually did win, uh, even if he didn't win according to the staggered start one year ago. So neat to see and neat to hear Patrick Cantlay finding his voice. Yes, and uh, speaking of uh, a guy who's had trouble finding his voice, and you hinted to it at the start, 
Bryson. Bryson has uh, had a rocky road the last few months, Damon, and not only does he seem to have issues with the fans, but he's also declined to speak to the media, including after the tournament on Sunday. Is that accurate? Yeah, he did. He uh, spun away from that uh, playoff, walked up the hill, and found himself amidst a confrontation with a fan. Uh, ESPN's Kevin Van Valkenburg wrote about it, and you know, he's a, a longtime journalist, and it's been interesting to listen to some of the golf writers and those that have been around for a while. And these are not shrinking violets by any stretch and say how kind of ugly it's gotten out there, the, the heckling uh, for Bryce and the calls of Brooksy, how uncomfortable it is, how overserved some of the fans are. So, so Bryson, in some senses, has been his own worst enemy with some of his comments, throwing his equipment manufacturer under, under the, the bus at the open. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, when he had a bad driving round, um, and just some of his comments have seemed to put him in a bad light, being a bit sensitive, uh, and, and, you know, the, the officials at Memorial and the Ant Hill and the drop and saying the cameraman is ruining his brand. So he's had some moments where he's been his own worst enemy, and it's been compounded by Brooks Kepner kind of bullying him and, and inciting the gallery to – to call him Brooksy, and therefore will get some some beer if they get kicked out. So, so Jay Monahan has had to look at this and probably trying to protect the players uh, from getting into any, any kind of fisticuffs by saying if you're heckling players, if you're disrespectful, you can be expelled from a PGA Tour event. Well, you know, golf is very unusual in that fans get so close to the players. It's such an intimate venue right week to week in which we get so close to the best in the game part of me says you know when they came out the pg tour that is with this player impact program which a lot of my listeners probably have no clue what that is but it was a social media initiative program uh that they launched earlier in the year awarding 40 million dollars amongst 10 players who moved the needle in social media engagement. Don't you think some of this Brooksy-Bryson feud is a little fueled by that, Damon? I, I just thought that was a ridiculous idea. I think it's a lot fueled by the social media and the PIP program with the $40 million for, for Google impressions and social media standing uh, relative to your peers, and the, and the fans are getting in and having some fun and maybe too much fun. And, and that's the line that the professional golf world is walking. Yeah, you want to compete with the NFL and the NBA and Major League Baseball and the NHL, but uh, you don't want to see some of the things happening on the golf course that you see in the stands of a college football game, uh, you know, when it's Georgia against Florida or when it's a Yankee-Red Sox game. So that's kind of the line that Jay Monahan is walking. He's also trying to protect his product in that the potential for pursuant leagues like the Saudi League and this Premier Golf League and all of these suitors of these players. And Jay's like, well, what can I do to continue to throw dollars at these players to keep them as PGA Tour players as opposed to PGL players? Well, it's also, to me, um, overflowing to the fan at home watching on television Forget the Brooksy Bryson stuff. How about the get in the hole? Will they get that guy or those guys out of here? Because it's become a distraction, even watching on television. 
Yeah, the mashed potato crowd, to get in the hole, it's, it's gotten old. And, you know, I don't think Augusta National does everything right, but one of the things it does is, is really control that behavior. And you know that if you're holding that badge to the Masters, there's a certain decorum that's expected from the fans. And, and maybe this is Jay Monahan's attempt, belated it may be, and, and maybe tough to put the genie back in the bottle when you have a pit program and you have this social media interaction, uh, but he's trying to stamp it out before there's an incident. You, you, you don't see, you don't hear these types of things at Augusta National in April. It's just a different environment, a different golf fan, whereas, you know, the PJ Tour trying to grow its product and grow its brand. You're bringing in some folks that are, are looking to go to a tournament and drink some beer and have some fun as opposed to necessarily uh, appreciating the quality of a well-struck shop. Completely agree. So back to the Tour Championship. A lot of conversation. A lot of uh, our fellow scribes have been writing about the current format as you uh, discussed, it starts with a staggered scoring system based on the FedEx Cup points and where the top 30 players who are now competing at East Lake uh, will begin. I find it a bit bizarre. I think the players do too. It's like they've already played one round of the tournament. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, Patrick Kelly's been sleeping on this lead since Sunday night. Right. Uh, of, la- of last week, you know, and it's, it's so it is weird. awkward. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange when you consider the sanctity of the score and the scorecard and the sanctity of a 72-hole event. And, and Jay has talked about, hey, listen, we want to have the playoff events all be 72 holes, and, and he, that was reemphasized after the weather issues at Liberty National. Uh, and I know that the tour is trying to have excitement and have some jeopardy and have some clarity as well. But, you know, this system has been tweaked quite a bit through its 15 years now of existence, 15 years of the FedEx Cup. Uh, going all the way back to the Tiger and VJ uh, winning early on. I think that this will be something, especially with the players being vocal about it, especially with a thoughtful person like Patrick Cantlay being vocal about it, that maybe they revisit the staggered start because I agree, it just it's never really felt that comfortable to me that someone's starting a golf tournament with a lead. Yeah, can you imagine um, Tiger's win? In 2018, his big comeback, if that hadn't happened before staggered scoring was implemented? Oh, my gosh. I mean, can you imagine? I can't imagine it. And that's part of the issue that the players are having. They know that they want to feel as though they have done the job and won the golf tournament and shot the lowest score. And it's weird that you can go to the official World Golf Ranking page, Holly G, and and it actually credits Xander Schauffele with an extra win in the Tour Championship last year, even though that's not how the PGA Tour describes it or the Wikipedia page as well. So those are some things that the Tour is going to have to take a close look at going forward. Well, no wonder the fans have a little bit of uh, trouble following it all. And, um, it, you know, harkens me back to Steve Sands from the Golf Channel with all his whiteboards, Damon, trying to figure <laughs> this, this uh, system out. But uh, I still think there's some, some tweaking to do. So give me uh, your thoughts on, you know, how far back is too far back coming into uh, the Tour Championship? And uh, who, who are you looking at? in terms of the next four days? Yeah, I think the evens and the one-unders are probably 
done. I'm going to give a two under a chance, and that's Rory McIlroy, only because he's won the FedEx Cup twice, and he's playing very well of late, you know, finished tied for fourth uh, at Caves Valley. And after the rain that's hit in the, in the southeastern part of the country, the golf course will play long and soft, which plays to his advantage. It's going to be really dictated by Patrick Cantley, though, at 10 under. If he's just any semblance of the player that he was last week at Caves Valley, be very hard for him to be caught by any other side, minus six, minus seven, minus eight. But if he does stumble, if he starts to off slowly, if there's a bit of a hangover after the emotion and the fatigue you would have to think about after a six-hole playoff, then I think it's going to be a wide-open golf tournament. But for the most part, that minus ten, which has been the winning score, by the way, in years past, minus nine has won, minus eleven has won, minus ten has won. If he can just be uh, you know, facsimile of his himself, uh, it'll be very hard to catch, I believe, in Atlanta. Absolutely. And uh, let's not forget a humongous paycheck uh, on Sunday, 15 mil, Damon, and uh, the rest of the field will get a pretty good slice of the pie as well. So, you know, this changes a lot of guys' careers. <laughs> 